Onken MHK Julie Edge brought two motions to July Timwald which sought to increase the impartiality of the Timwald Committee that polices the standards and conduct of Timwald members. In quite an emotional speech, Ms Edge referred to an episode of bullying which she claimed to be the victim of in the previous House of Keys. I spoke to Julie Edge a few weeks ago and we discussed her concerns. Uh, you had two items on the June order paper which were withdrawn. Uh, you brought them to the July uh, order paper. Can you tell us a little bit about what, what your motivation was for bringing them? Um, yes, certainly. Obviously, I've been in here seven years now, Furla, and um, over that time I've been observing, looking at the way the structure operates and, and identifying where things aren't quite right. And certainly having been a public servant for 38 years before you come in here, it, it was quite alarming to me, some of, some of the structures and, and the way that uh, business is done. Um, and then obviously we did have the situation of having a Member Standards Committee report and um, I was just alarmed. Obviously, I voted against that report. I was challenged about that, that, you know, you shouldn't, shouldn't do that. I'll do what's right. <laughs> this was the report into Mr. Collister. Yes, yeah. And, um, you know, because of that, that made me think, actually, we need to change this because members should not be able to challenge you on, on the way you've chosen to vote for your constituents or, or for your own personal principles. And um, so that's why I brought um, the motion. Um, also the one with regards to um, item 17, I think it was, to remove the speaker from the Timwell member's standards. That, that was done because I could see the conflicts. I've recognised them, I've seen it, and uh, I felt it's wrong that we have put somebody in that position as a parliament, that they have to try and be impartial. You, you know, it's a small parliament, that's quite difficult, but when you're a chair of a, of a committee that's actually stated in standing orders, so nobody else can be that chair because it's there in standing orders, I felt that wasn't right and it needed to be removed and that anybody could chair that committee, but I also feel that it should be very independent um, of the system. We've seen it, we've seen it in other jurisdictions, we've seen it in Westminster, there's been many reports done into to the situations and behaviours and uh, I've endured a, a tough time for seven years. And uh, I can tolerate it, but it's not right. And of course, effectively what you're saying about the Speaker is that the Speaker is, uh, part of his role is to act as a sort of a listening ear, um, to, to uh, giving the opportunity for members to explain or, um, issues that they're, they're, they're concerned about. Uh, he's there to give advice to members and support to members. But also, uh, with his role on this committee, he's there to pass judgment on members' sta uh, standards and behaviour. Yes, and that's where it's really, really wrong. Um, that's not good governance. And um, certainly you're then relying on the individual. And I'm not, not saying anything about, about the current role, but that speaker role, it's down to the individual that, that's in that role. And that impartiality is key. Um, and whether they would declare a conflict um, you know, obviously we don't know what goes on in the committee. You assume they've declared conflicts. I've heard today that they say they do, but where's the register? Where's the record? Oh, it's in the minutes. Minutes are very, very limited. And um, I just think we need to be fully open and transparent around the conduct of our members. And the, the public deserve the right to know that it's been done fairly, that the process is correct, and that 
we can move move forward and um, you know here we are again with the amendment that's gone through on the conduct of, of members that it's the same committee that all of the debates being around today are now still in charge of it not right in my opinion and your your former colleague in the council of ministers now backbencher chris thomas uh, pointed out that the last time uh, government uh, had been bold enough to ask the public um, how much confidence they had in various aspects of of government and uh, this also included uh, parliament um, that uh, T- Tinwald was the lowest had had the lowest uh, confidence rating of of any of the areas uh, um, that that the, the public gave opinions on so uh, is is this part of your argument that uh, by having the system as is or perhaps the changes to the system you were suggesting are necessary to allow the public to have more confidence? I think we need to. Um, Obviously we've heard a lot about culture. We've had many um, situations and tribunals where the culture has been called out and that's exactly what my motions were about today. Trying to change that culture to accept that you can't look at yourselves. Let's look for somebody else to make that judgment on you and then we can all have working relationships to carry on and make sure that we help support that change that's really required. Um, you know, the Chief Minister's repeatedly said he wants the culture to change. It's disappointing that I didn't get support on either of these today because that's exactly what they are about, is changing that culture, making sure there's independent assessment of, of the Honourable um, members in in the court and um, it, it you know it is disappointing that they failed I didn't expect to get them through I must admit when I walked in the room today um, I haven't been able to lobby um, I haven't lobbied members um, because you know I think you should be impartial when you're doing a motion that's about them um, however um, you know I think it was quite clear there's possibility of being a bit of bit of lobbying gone on around around and that's everybody's quite quite right to do that I'm quite right to bring the motion forward it was disappointing to hear um, the mover in the first um, motion of the amendment um, to start making judgments about personal comments and uh, you know, thanks to Minister Thomas and his wide experience uh, and, and breadth of knowledge in here, um, he did feel that was a breach of standing orders. So, effectively, the outcome of, of what you've uh, proposed is that the committee that you were concerned about um, is undertaking a review of its own functions and membership, and uh, you are asked to um, provide feedback to that committee uh, do you not trust that committee I've, I've provided feedback in the past but it doesn't get published so nobody knows you've done that I'm not saying for that particular committee but for two committees um, it, it's not that I don't trust it again we've brought up in the, in the debate today that it needs to be completely transparent and all evidence published unless you specifically state that you don't want it published. Um, and that's, that's where it becomes difficult, doesn't it? Because you get, you're really getting a report presented that might not have all the facts, but the committee have had it, so they can talk about it, they can bring it to Tim Walt. You know, who, who will bring that report to Tim Walt? Can they keep that impartiality? And of course, the other uh, motion, uh, which was to remove the speaker because you felt that uh, having the ability to go to someone who wasn't likely at some point in the future to need to be passing judgment on your actions 
uh, you know, as a member, you go to the Speaker for some, some level of support. Um, so another amendment was passed, which includes uh, putting the Deputy Speaker on. So you now have no, no independent uh, ear to go and uh, listen to, uh, because both will now be statutory members of that committee. Yeah, I, I was quite alarmed at that, to be honest, and surprised it got support. Um, that's really is closing ranks and let's strengthen our strengthen our committee up. And um, you know, you know, Phil, from being in here yourself, these people are elected for five years. There's no possibility of changing it if it doesn't go to an independent source. So here we are, stuck with a situation that we've had quite 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 an unsettling year in here because of the activities that have gone on. And I feel that we need to move completely away from that. I've, I've said in previous debates that we need to make sure that there's a change in committee members halfway through so everybody gets the experience and opportunity. And to me, it's quite clear that they've already decided who the speaker and deputy speaker are possibly, you know, for, for, for future parliaments if they're successful. I, I just feel that our behavior in here has to be completely with up so that the public can uphold that trust in us for good governance and that we're completely transparent and we're accountable and I don't feel that, we're cr that the current system provides any accountability only for a few people I know Mrs Kane she commented that there was an independent individual brought in well that's proof that the committee couldn't deal with it so therefore why can they deal with the next one so to me, it, you know, it's, it's a missed opportunity for members today, really disappointed that they couldn't see that it's about good governance and the future of the Isle of Man. And, um, you know, I don't know where it'll go, where I'll go next. It, it was, well, I don't know, were, were you surprised that despite there being a, a mixed view in, in Keys, I mean, you almost uh, managed to defeat the first amendment. It was a 12-11 in, in Keys. Um, but there was no such... Well, no, there was a mix as well in, 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 in LegCo on that. But on it, all the other votes, uh, LegCo didn't really reflect the, the mixed views in Keys. It was very clearly a, a, a LegCo block vote against everything you were trying to do. Yeah. Um, I think you can see um, from, from, from the Parliament and the results that... Um, People don't want to hear the controversial view. <laughs> they don't want you to speak out and say what you think is, is the impression I certainly felt today. Um, however, people know me well. I've always spoken up. I did in the last administration for whistleblowers and, and um, good governance, code of conducts, um, government code, conflicts of interest, and that's everything I've repeated again today. So they are pre-declared positions and... Um, I, I just feel that it's a complete missed opportunity to make sure that we can build some confidence and trust in transparency, accountability and independence. Some of the, the more shocking uh, parts of what you had to say was the, the level of threats that were made against you uh, in the previous House. Um, uh, I think the listeners may be quite surprised that... Uh, you would be threatened with uh, having uh, police action taken against you uh, as, as a member of, of Timwald. Uh, does, does that sort of thing really happen? It certainly did happen, Phil. Um, I was informed that, um, obviously, I was part of a political party when I came in here. 
and I was informed that uh, my seat in Parliament might not be valid. And that was a complete shock to me and absolutely astounding to then be told that um, it might be, go- might be going to, to become a, a, an issue. Um, clearly members were shocked in there today because that's something that you don't talk about. But I felt it was right today to give a really good example of what goes on in here. I had cancer at the time. And for me to have to justify and go to the Chief Constable to ask him, is there an investigation into me? And for him to say he would look into it, because quite clearly he doesn't know everything that's going on every day, but to then come back to me and say, there's absolutely no investigation into you and your election into this parliament. So it was the old boys club, in my opinion, Phil, threatening, because I was pushing forward on all of the things I'm talking about today to make sure we get transparency, fairness, greater accountability and good governance. And there is an assumption made that with the the new makeup of Tynwald, with lots of new members, uh, many from quite progressive political uh, sort of stances, that that uh, those those dark old days of old boys clubs and the like are very much a thing of the past. Um, but you don't appear to, to see it that way. No, certainly it's not as bad because clearly we've got um, you know more f- more um, female members in here. Um, it's certainly softened it. Um, however, you know it shouldn't be about the representation. Whether you, no matter what what um, gender you are, it should be about whether you're doing the right job for the people of the Isle of Man. That's what we're elected for. Whether you're sticking to your principles and your manifesto. That's what we're in here for. And um, certainly you see that change after an election. People don't always stick to the principles approach that they they took at the outset to get elected to come in here. Um, certainly it is a different house. And, um, you know, there's lots of challenges ahead and there's going to be some tough decisions that need to be made. And uh, that's when, you know, we'll see the, the real um, depth of commitment to make the changes the island and and the people and the public are are looking for. And uh, it's not easy. And that is all down to changing culture, being able to support and bring people with you. Moving then on to uh, question time. There were a couple of questions uh, that, well, there were several questions that you had to answer, but a couple that I've, uh, I, I picked up on, which I thought were quite uh, good questions because they were talking about uh, effectively producing uh, young people out of the education system uh, in, a, in a better place to be able to uh, take up employment and help grow the economy, which we so badly need. T-levels, technical qualification level, um, were, were, was one issue that Michelle Haywood had brought forward and uh, Jason Moorehouse was talking about uh, work experience. Um, neither of them felt that you were you, the answers you gave gave them confidence that uh, the department was uh, was interested in in, in their, these areas. So 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 T levels, as I stated in my answer, they're not 
they're not uh, available to the island in our jurisdiction at the present time. They're only available in England. So how can we talk about and introduce something if it's not available? However, we've always worked with BTEC, and as I said in my answer, which is and which is at Excel and Pearson's, we work with our examination boards to make sure that we are offering the right qualifications. There's lots of people taking BTEC qualifications, which really are the, are the equivalent of, of um, the T-levels and um, we will continue with them until we know that the structure that's been brought into the, into the UK is working. We know it's already paused <laughs> and, you know, it certainly hasn't come through. So why would we want to set, commit to doing that for, for our young people if they're not going to get a qualification at the end of it because it appears there's no qualifications at T-level being awarded to date? So work experience, um, obviously we've, we, we've had difficulties with COVID and um, obviously we've got um, other con- issues with, with staff in, the, in our schools at the present time. Um, the work experience programme, which was when you got a week out it's at impl- you know, for an employment office, offer, um, you know, it, it does work. We certainly don't, we're still doing that with individuals that feel that they need to go down those more pathways of a more technical um, apprenticeship style route we you know they do have that opportunity anyway because I think it's 500 students we're studying this year up at UCM that are still in our secondary school so that's age between 14 and 16 so that's that's a large you know number of students um, with regards to bringing it back as Mr Morehouse who's a teacher um, knows it's not necessarily going to be that because what we're hearing from the businesses is that they're looking for individuals with, with different skills to sending them into a workplace, as one honourable member said, to do photocopying for a week. So we want to make sure that we do the right structure for our students and give them the skills to help them with their futures. And uh, that's about making sure they progress out of education and into the workplace or onto further education. A particular area that uh, Michelle Haywood was concerned about was in terms of the uh, the IT sector, you know, gaming and the like. Uh, what, what sort of things does the department offer in relation uh, to that? Well, obviously, um, we do have an ICT curriculum within our schools that prepares students to go forward. Um, obviously, in sixth form, they can go on to do media studies and that. Um, but I think... One of the things, and, and you'll know, I was born on the island. You get a job opportunity and your employer always continue to invest in you and train you for the skills that they required. Um, I think some employers still do that, but there seems to be an expectation at the minute that government should be doing that. Our, our role in education is to make sure that we get Uh, all of our students through the education system progress to the best of their ability and come out at 16 and either continue in their education or go out into the workplace. Um, We've recently set up a skills board and that's got independent um, members on it and one of the key things that we are looking at is the apprenticeship scheme, the vocational training assistance scheme and we recognise due to the problems with the economy that we do need to make sure that that's targeted for the areas of need and um, certainly you know we've got a lot of jobs at the moment at the present time in hospitality and uh, the UCM has recently brought back um, the the 
catering qualifications because they now have a, a, an excellent chef in, in place to do, do that training again. So we will see people coming through. Um, some of the changes have been from previous previous administrations and we're picking picking that up and we're going to drive that forward to make sure there's plenty of opportunity and pathways on Ireland but also give students access to the UK university structure which you know is is rapidly moving and of course we've all got AI to think about um, you know there's going to be lots of change there and I do have a meeting next week with regards to that and uh, we need to embrace it. That was Julie Edge, MHK, member for Onken, but also Education Minister. Michelle Haywood asked the question about tea levels. Was she impressed with the answer she received? Um, Not especially. Um, I've had several approaches from uh, industry, especially digital and creative industries, saying that they want a qualification that that 16 to 18-year-olds can take that equips them more for the workplace. And within that suite of technical levels there's also finance and legal and childcare. there's lots of things in there that feed very well into where the Isle of Man is positioned and, and into job vacancies that we know we have and the T-levels are structured so you do 80% in the classroom and 20% with an employer so over a two-year course you'll do 45 days actually in a workplace and so you come out already with some experience and some understanding um, and I genuinely think for the Isle of Man where government has such a close relationship with the businesses and the Chamber of Commerce, that it would be possible to get that up and running. I know in the UK there have been some problems in terms of where you have urban areas, they tend to offer greater you know, sort of variety of courses, and, and in rural areas it's harder to get that work experience lined up. But that's not the case for us. We should be able to work around those issues. And I think there's a real call for putting some of those uh, T-level qualifications on the menu for, for our young people to opt for, with a view to complete that two-year course and then go into the world of work. In terms then of the department, I mean, obviously the minister has a number of uh, constraints that she has to operate under, presumably by introducing a whole, potentially a whole raft of new um, training um, opportunities for students. Uh, There's a cost associated with that. Uh, there is. I think some of it would displace some of the current BTEC programme, which is obviously much more focused on your portfolio that you've generated within the, the college or wherever you're doing it. Um, and this is almost a, like kind of forcing that step outside. So actually, I think possibly some of the same tutors are probably relevant for that. And for other sectors, I think, yeah, there would be a cost with us taking those extra ones. But however, you look at traditional A-level subjects and the numbers taking those are falling because they're not relevant and uh, you know, our young people are forced into taking subjects they don't necessarily want to take because that's all that's on the menu. With the T-levels, you get UCAS points as well, so they would be equally valid if at the end of 18 you decided you, know, you, you did want to go on to university and wanted to study further. Um, I know the Minister said that there were some technical problems with them being extended to overseas uh, territories, um, but I think we probably could have that conversation, and I'm not convinced today from her answer that that conversation's actually even taken place. And, of course, what we need in the Isle of Man is an improvement in terms of uh, productivity amongst the workforce and opportunities, you would have thought anyway, opportunities to have um, a workforce that's educated or uh, people entering the workforce who are better educated uh, with more targeted skills uh, would be something this government would want to sign up to. 
Yeah, you think so, and you think. I mean, particularly in the, the, the digital sector, you know, you've got sort of software development is quite strong in several sectors here. And but you you look at what's in the computer science A level, and it's quite dry material, and it's not really been updated. It's not really kept pace with what is a you know at the forefront of, of moving technology. And so I think you know, the chance to look at something that it really does equip our young people for the world of work, whilst getting them those uh, you know, critical UCAS points if should they ever need to bank it to, to do anything further would be a win-win. That was Michelle Haywood, MHK. Should tea levels be offered to Manx children or are they better off sticking with more conventional exams? Was Ms Edge right to ask Tinwald to consider the role of the Speaker and the Standing Committee in considering members' conduct? And did her motions backfire on her? Let me know your thoughts on the programme by contacting philgorn at manxradio.com and get in touch if you have any ideas for future shows. Don't forget this programme is available as a podcast on Manx Radio's website. For now, though, I'm Phil Gorn. Goromayo, thanks for listening.